Morning, everybody. Good morning, bon dia, bienvenidos to the Atlantic Council. I'm Peter Schechter. I'm the director of the Adrian Arsh Latin America Center here at the Atlantic Council. And on behalf of our center, I wanted to thank you all for coming and joining us today for this important discussion on the upcoming visit of President Dilma Rousseff to Washington on uh, the 30th. Uh, this, this visit is potentially a big inflection point for our relations. The two countries actually need each other's friendship, its partnership, mutual political help, and economic relations. And we're honored that Assistant Secretary Roberta Jacobson, and we want to, I want to take a minute to congratulate you on the President's very incisive decision to uh, appoint you and nominate you as ambassador to Mexico. We're also lucky to have Benoni Belli, who has been a friend of the centers from the Brazilian Embassy, a uh, friend of our Atlantic Council and all of our efforts, and Steve Long from Intel Corporation, who's come up from uh, Brazil. When we in Washington talk about innovation, Steve Long breathes innovation every single day. And I also want to extend a particularly warm welcome to my dear friend, Ricardo Senes. He's the Atlantic Council's senior fellow on Brazil. He's the author of this great report, which we're launching today. And he's someone that Jo Suarez, who is Brazil's David Letterman, called Brazil's most optimistic and most handsome economist. <laughs> we are uh, very pleased to be cooperating with the Brazil-US Business Council on this event, who uh, works to create a constructive dialogue between important and critical stakeholders in the US-Brazil bilateral relationship. Thank you, Devery Bogner Forwerk, for, um, uh, she's the Vice President of Corporate Affairs at Cargill, and she will give closing remarks at the end of our, um, at the end of our meeting. And because we don't always have this pleasure, I particularly want to recognize, and I'm particularly delighted to have our founder here, Adrian Arsht, Adrian Arsht is someone whose vision has infected the center and without whom we would never have uh, done what we've done so far. So a great word of thanks as always and thanks for being here with us. Um, our work on Brazil at the Adrian Arsht Latin America Center has been a priority since we began in 2013. And because this is a promising and fantastically important but yet especially complicated relationship. The DNA of Brazil and the United States are surprisingly similar. These two profoundly Western and Atlantic countries both have roots in the pride of undoing colonial yoke and in the tragedy of slavery. We're both melting pots of culture. Our governments are both built around a constitution, around civil liberties, around a federal system that distributes power to diverse states. And we both have very strong Congresses I'm sure some people will say too strong. And yet, for too long, we've been relegated to think that a closer relationship brings more difficulties than it brings benefits. And this worry about too much proximity has brought its share of disappointments. Neither country shies away from engagements with fundamentally dissimilar nations, so why not with each other? This visit we think is an opportunity for Brazil and the United States to work towards rebuilding long-term trust, but going beyond that also towards rebuilding a long-term strategic relationship. 
We're at a critical moment. The United States is at a strategic turning point where it's redefining its relationship with the hemisphere. We saw this in December with a major shift in US-Cuba policy. We see this today with a new initiative towards Central America and by supporting a hopefully still successful Pacific trade policy that includes a number of important Latin American countries. But just similarly as the United States wants this and should have it, we're also at a critical moment in Brazil's history. Brazil has undergone important social and economic developments for the last two decades. The first phase was the, in the early 1990s with the Plano Real. That was the stabilization phase. The second phase was a creative social improvement phase that brought millions out of poverty. The coming phase is going to be all about growth. Growth is key to the success of President Rousseff's term in, in what remains of her term in office, and it's key to her ability to move Brazil to a more competitive and agile position. Yes, both countries are at a turning point, and perhaps this time we will get beyond modest working groups and low-balled expectations. Here in the Latin America Center, we're optimistic about this new beginning for three reasons. The tides, number one, the tides are turning and trade policies, on trade policies in both the U.S. and Brazil. The vocal minority in both countries fears openness. There are private sector representatives, civil society groups, political leaders in both countries that prefer opting for the certitude of protection. But these, but the new technologies, particularly the ones that compete, the ones that innovate, the ones that disrupt, they want openness and the opportunity for greater engagement. We're also seeing an increase in cooperation in research and development and a transitioning to services as the driver of new jobs and economic growth. The United States and Brazil are more engaged on issues of international importance like global warming and human rights in the hemisphere. That is why we, in partnership with our Brazil fellow, Ricardo Senes, are launching this report that includes recommendations not only about how to improve the bilateral relationship today in 2015, but how to structure and revitalize the relationship for years to come in the future. And part of that revitalization surrounds one player that's here to speak to us today. Assistant Secretary Jacobson, your leadership and your years of service in the Bureau of Western Hemispheres Affairs have been extraordinary. You sure have helped excite us Latin Americanists that have grown far too accustomed to being on the back burner. Uh, since you've been there, things have been on the front burner and it's been great. Most recently, we've watched with admiration as you've skillfully managed the negotiations in the historic U.S.-Cuba opening. I've been personally grateful for your friendship, and our loss will be Mexico City's gain. As a member of the team who will meet the Brazilian delegation this month, your insight today into the visit and into U.S.-Brazil relations are going to be, will be invaluable. And so thank you for coming to speak to us. Thank you for the working on the positive relations between our two countries. And so it's my real pleasure to introduce Assistant Secretary Roberta Jacobson, who will deliver the keynote address. Well, thank you very much, Peter. I, uh, I actually am really tempted to come up here and just say what he said. <laughs> Done. Um, I, I want to thank you and, and the Atlantic Council for having me here today, and, and thank you all for being here. 
Um, but in particular, I want to echo Peter's remarks about Adrian's presence here today. I think that this center has made its presence felt in Washington and around the hemisphere remarkably quickly um, with very high quality events, my own presence accepted, but, um, but really, really added to the debate, um, the, the presence and, the, and putting this region on the front burner for discussion in a way that's extraordinarily helpful for all of us. So thank you, Adrian, for your support and advancing of, of this dialogue um, and policy recommendations. I also want to say a word about the report that's being launched because for policymakers, we have far too little time to read reports, um, but they are essential for us because we have so little time to be thinking out beyond three o'clock this afternoon uh, or tomorrow. Um, we rely upon the people who can and who can step back a bit from the day-to-day -day relationship to help stimulate our possibilities and our thoughts and the bigger picture vision. Uh, so thank you, Ricardo, for that. Um, I think there are a world of wonderful ideas in there, and I hope all of you will, will take it and read it as well. Um, I think that for, for the United States and for Brazil, this visit really is critical, but I also think of this entire year uh, in a way as the year of the U.S. and Brazil. Um, for us, this is uh, the beginning in a, in a real way of a new chapter in our relationship. We are, as Peter Wells said, countries with so many similarities, and we really are natural partners. In many ways, in many ways, it is really much more artificial for us to be um, in tension than it is for us to be working together. Um, we do share the democratic values and the commitment to diversity, and I think in the current world that we're living in, uh, whether it is religious or ethnic strife, cultural difficulties, boundary difficulties, difficulties, these are things we have not necessarily experienced recently or are committed to overcoming uh, together. Um, but our relationship has been tested over the last 18 months or so. Uh, and there's no doubt that because of that, we look to June 30th as a way to, to relaunch that relationship. But the recent drumbeat of engagements, I think, allow us to think of this year as a way to kind of ramp things up, preparing for this presidential engagement um, without the usual sense of um, maybe we will not uh, meet expectations. In March, we held our commercial dialogue and signed agreements harmonizing standards and exchanging information on trade facilitation. In April, the presidents met at the Summit of the Americas and discussed cooperation addressing some of the hemisphere's most pressing problems. And I should have actually started that with the vice president's attendance at Dilma's second inaugural in January. And I was present at both of those meetings, at the one in January and with the president in April. In May, we convened the U.S.-Brazil Joint Commission meeting on science and technology, deepening our cooperation on science, technology, and innovation. This week, U.S. and Brazil CEO Forum brought together private sector leaders formulating recommendations on how we strengthen the economic and commercial relationship. So you could see there was a pretty steady re-engagement, which I think was very, very clearly set down by President Rousseff on January 1st when she took office again. Obviously, you all know the statistics on two-way trade,
but I think it's significant to look at the way the trade is, um, the, what is it's made up of. Oh, more than 1,500 products and services that total an estimated $109 billion in 2014. Um, the figures that we look at in terms of FDI and, and uh, the two-way investment are very large, but we know there's a lot of headroom there. We know they could be larger. So we're looking at as big ideas as we can to try and really boost this relationship. We're about to sign a, to a social security totalization agreement, an incredibly boring name. We have about 22 or 23 of these agreements. Nobody really uh, thinks the title means very much. It's incredibly important. It eliminates dual social security uh, coverage or contributions occurring when workers move from one country to another. This is really important because more and more of our folks are working in other countries. Steve can tell you that when you have workers from the United States working in Brazil or vice versa, you need to make sure that people are made whole when they retire and have their pensions or that they aren't contributing twice. <laughs> With trade and investment rapidly growing between our two countries, we estimate that this will save U.S. and Brazilian com companies more than $900 million over the first six years. We're also working together on the small business network of the Americas. In both countries, we know that despite all of our talk about the big companies, and those are critically important, small businesses are the job generators. And so we are connecting thousands of small business development centers and business incubators in the two countries. One example, just to give you a personal example of an individual, Alfredo Jose Carnero de Araujo Jr. founded Stand Service, a company that supplies promotional display booths for trade shows and other events when he was 19. That business now has 16 employees and serves hundreds of clients. Nice story. But he then recognized the potential for innovative entrepreneurship to promote community change, and he organized a TEDx event in Brazil and created the first South American hub for the Sandbox network of young entrepreneurs. So now what he's doing is facilitating entrepreneurship training and advocating for pro-entrepreneurial public policies. So he didn't stop at just creating his own company. He went on to be an advocate for that in public policy. We move on to the area of climate change and sustainable energy, which will be an important one in the coming visit. Under the Green Ocean Amazon or Go Amazon partnership, we're conducting joint field experiments in the Amazon. We're using cutting-edge technology to develop cleaner ways to meet the world's energy needs and working to support sustainable aviation via the Partnership for Development of Aviation Biofuels. We know that conservation must also be part of the solution, and so we're promoting industrial energy efficiency. So I think we, we know that it's extremely promising when the economies of the size of the United States and Brazil cooperate together on this range of renewable energy cooperation and clean energy cooperation. But as somebody very wise recently said in the Brazilian government, we also know that when climate agreements have been reached, it has always been when the US and the Brazilian governments work together. That may not be causality, but it's not just coincidence. And so we need to be working together ahead of Paris. And the final thing I want to mention is education where via our 100,000 Strong in the Americas program and Brazil Scientific Mobility program, tens of thousands of students have seized the opportunity to study in the U.S. 
and bring their newfound knowledge back to Brazil and vice versa. One such individual, a young man named Pedro, was selected to study in the U.S. through the Scientific Mobility Program at Catholic University in Washington. He interned at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center and was chosen from among 129,000 applicants to travel into space with space expeditions, an American company. He will be the first Brazilian civilian to go into space and only the second Brazilian ever. And we're now exploring how we can build on those kinds of successes and extend our cooperation into areas of technical and vocational education. This is critical. This is critical for both of our countries. We move into areas like science, technology, and health by education and technical training. So we know that an estimated 374 million internet users in the United States and Brazil combined in 2014 rank among the top users of social media and YouTube. And we intend to continue forming the next generation of innovators. Innovators like Fernando Percoro, Pecoraro, a young innovator from Brazil who participated in the Launch Program, which is an open innovation platform founded by NASA, Nike, USAID, and the Department of State that provides support, networking, and mentoring from innovation for, from influential business and government leaders. He's now working to commercialize the award-winning innovation, which is using chemicals derived from oranges to clean up oil spills. All of those specific examples are just a few among hundreds that we need to expand to thousands and then millions. And that's really what this visit is about, taking those examples and making them institutionalized, routine, and growing them so that the relationship produces those kinds of exchanges and human beings every day of, of the year. Um, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship and getting this relationship back on track, and we're very optimistic for the future of the bilateral relationship. Thank you very much. I'm going to grab my coffee. Thank you, Assistant Secretary Jacobson, for that excellent overview. And again, as, as Peter said, for all your amazing forward-thinking work um, leading our efforts, um, obviously with Brazil, but across the, the entire hemisphere. I think your remarks just, just now show yet again that why the United States is so lucky to have you as our uh, Assistant Secretary of State and, uh, and why you'll be, you'll be sorely missed when you, when you go to Mexico City. I I'm Jason Marzek. I'm the Deputy Director of the Adrian Arsh Latin America Center, and I'm thrilled that we have three other um, leaders with us today to give a preview, not only of, of President Rousseff's visit, but also insight on many of the strategic issues that we that are or really should be part of the agenda, um, not only in 10 days, but but in the in the time ahead. As Peter said to the Atlantic Council, we are incredibly bullish on Brazil and the many possibilities that this particular moment brings for advancing the, the bilateral agenda. Uh, Peter Brufi mentioned some of the, uh, uh, the other panelists, but I will, um, you have everyone's full bios. I'm not going to read people's bios. I'm sure you don't, you don't want me to do that. Um, but to, to uh, Roberto's left is Benoni Belli. Benoni is the uh, Deputy Chief of Mission at the Embassy of Brazil, and he brings over uh, 20 years of experience 
and uh, working everywhere from Algiers to, to Buenos Aires. Um, and as, in addition to that is a fountain of knowledge on the uh, US-Brazil bilateral relation. I'm, I'm setting you up here, Benoni. That's right. Um, to, uh, to Benoni's left is uh, Steve Long. Steve is the Vice President and General Manager of the Latin America region at Intel Corporation. Uh, Steve um, leads Intel's work across the region and is a uh, incredibly forward-thinking business leader and, and one of the areas of, of most right cooperation between the US and Brazil. To Steve's left is our um, very handsome, uh, non-resonant uh, Brazil fellow, Ricardo Sanis. He's smiling with that introduction. Thanks, Ricardo. Um, Ricardo, is, uh, Ricardo, like Steve, is, is, is joining us uh, from Sao Paulo today. Uh, in his free time, when he's not working with the Atlantic Council, uh, Ricardo has two other jobs. He's also the managing uh, uh, partner at Prospectiva, a consulting firm in Brazil, as well as the general coordinator of the group of international analysis at the University of Sao Paulo. And I would say if you could give out a black belt in understanding the complexities of the U.S.-Brazil relationship and Brazilian policy overall, we would, we would give that black belt to, uh, to Ricardo. We're going, to, we're going to begin the conversation today by looking at the state of U.S.-Brazil relations, and then we're going to move on to previewing the visit, what may come out of it, and then what the future may hold uh, for cooperation on a number of issues. And I think you know, one of the key questions we're going to answer as part of this panel today is, will this visit really lay the foundation for moving forward from, from working-level cooperation to bold, far-reaching uh, collab collaboration between the U.S. and Brazil? I'm going to conduct this panel in a Davos format. We're going to have as much of a free-ranging conversation as possible between the panelists, and then leave ample time in the end for questions uh, from, from the audience. Again, this is public. This is on the record. And it's also being webcast. So if you have questions, please tweet your questions to at ACLATAM. And if you want to um, bring out your phones during the event, um, only for tweeting purposes, uh, you can tweet using the hashtag uh, ACBrazil. Um, and if you and if you are, are feeling you're, like you're in the right spot, just just think that you're. This is the Copacabana Palace, and that the blinds close behind you. The actually the ocean is right here behind us, right? Um, the let's, so let's start our conversation today by looking at relations now, Roberta. There is much talk. Um, you mentioned this a little bit in your in your opening remarks about this visit being a reset in relations um, after the Brazilian president's um, canceled state visit in the wake of the, uh, of the Snowden affair. Um, that happened um, October 2013. Um, it happened to be the month that we started the center. I think that there was no, there was no coincidence between that. Um, but there's been a number of visits, exchanges, and working groups, as you've mentioned, that have continued uh, as we move forward. As we head into this visit, in which areas, you mentioned a few in your opening remarks, education, science, innovation. In which areas would you say is the relationship the strongest? And in which areas can we, can, is there the most um, opportunity to kind of further build on some of, the, some of the strengths that we already have? You know, I think in the end, people will be somewhat surprised by how many areas we are going to be able to move forward in. Um, maybe some of that is because things slowed down for a while, although I would make the point that they never stopped. They really didn't ever stop. There was a lot of work going on. It just wasn't at the highest levels, and it wasn't as high profile. Um, the two countries are, they, they do too much together every day for it to stop ever. Um, but there will be, I think, you know, a, a focus on education. There will be certainly a focus, continued focus on science and technology, health cooperation, um, as areas that both presidents are committed to. 
But I also think that there will be um, movement on defense cooperation mm -hmm. um, as part of this <laughs> visit. I think there will be um, a lot of discussion around, obviously, uh, climate change um, and how we can work together in that area. Um, I think that you'll see conversations about regional issues, um, things going on in the hemisphere, as well as global uh, concerns that, that both countries have, whether it's continued cooperation and food security in Africa mm -hmm. or um, peacekeeping cooperation, um, where obviously Brazil has been so important in its leading role in MINUSTA in Haiti. So I think there are a lot of different areas that you'll see cooperation on, as well as some of the things that may be you know, prospects for new cooperation in trade. So. And we're, we'll get back to some of these, drilling down on some of these different areas that we can move forward, that the visit might move forward on defense cooperation, climate change, uh, regional and global issues. Benoni, from, from your perspective, where, where do you see the relationship is, is strongest? <clears throat> Jason, let me start by thanking you for your nice introduction and for the invitation, uh, especially uh, not only you, but also Peter and Natalie. And uh, I also knew the name and the brand, Adrian Arsh, but not the person. So it was really nice to meet the person who brought this new vision to this, uh, the US Latin American relations. And I was uh, reading from here the title of this event. Uh, you, you mentioned the new era of US and Brazil relations. I think that era is too large a period of time. <laughs> I don't think we need a new era. Uh, but I would like to echo what the Assistant Secretary Jacobson just said about the new chapter. Um, and it's not the first chapter. It's not introduction. It's an additional chapter in a long book, an exciting book, of, about friendship. Friendship that started in the early 19th century with, uh, as you know, the US was the first country to recognize our independence. And it got strengthened during the two world wars, Brazil being the only country that sent troops to Europe to fight alongside the US in both uh, world wars. And it uh, survived the upheavals of the 60s, the 70s, the last decade of the 80s, and got boosted by the new ties of uh, trade, investment, and people-to-people -people contact uh, over the last 30 years. So we are building on something that is already very solid. And I think that uh, uh, this visit will be a new chapter. And uh, main areas, I would divide into three baskets. Let's say uh, economic trade investments. There will be a lot of deliverable in this area. Mm -hmm. uh, education, science, and technology, and innovation is another basket. And the third one would be about uh, international or global issues. And I think that uh, Assistant Secretary has already mentioned a few of more specific issues. I will save the surprises for the visit. I, I cannot tell we, <laughs> uh, give you a list of deliverables right now. But uh, I think that we, have a, we will have a very good outcome in these three main uh, areas. That's great. And, and I, I think, Benoni, you, know, you put in the context of a, of a new chapter, I think, is really important. Because I think we oftentimes tend to focus on you know, just what's happened in the last year or the last two years and not looking at the, the history between the US and Brazil, which is, which is incredibly strong. Um, that's fantastic. Ricardo, in the, the uh, paper we released, we're releasing today, um, 
U.S.-Brazil relations, a new beginning, and there's actually a question mark there, um, how to strengthen the bilateral agenda. You, you mentioned a number of these issues. You mentioned issues that uh, both Assistant Secretary Jacobson and Benoni have mentioned, uh, investment, trade, education, technology, innovation. Give a, a, a brief, I know it's a 20-page report, and I'm asking you to do it in two minutes, <laughs> okay. but if you could give a brief snapshot of the report and why you see these as some of the, as some of the top issues. Okay, thank you, Jason, Peter, and Nat, for the invitation again. Uh, I think Roberta said a little bit what was the case uh, for this uh, opportunity right now, and Benoni made a reference in terms of a new chapter. I, I would say that we have a chance now to have a new chapter, but for the second part of the book, not the, a, a normal uh, chapter, a, a new chapter for the, the user part. Why, why am I saying that? Because I'm trying to put this in, in the paper, to express this in the paper. I think the, uh, the potential for collaboration between the US and Brazil, I think it's amazing. I, I, I don't have to mention this, but since the, the, the history of, about the federalism, the, the way we move to, forward to the, to the uh, West, all these elements that give to the two societies the, the immigration, the diversity for the population, it's amazing, uh, the, the number of uh, similarities. But so we, we have a stru structural opportunity to cooperate. This is, I think, this first part of the, uh, the, the argument. The second is, even though we do have this enormous potential for cooperation, we still have some political barriers. Not just uh, opposition from the both sides, but we have a lack of understanding, uh, a deep understanding. Uh, may, may, may seem uh, strange to say that, that we still have a lack of uh, knowledge between the two elites, in a sense, that how you build um, a winner coalition, political winner coalition among the two, between the two countries. I think this is the key element, because I think we don't lack issues for the agenda. I tried to put this in, in the paper, and Benoni and Roberta mentioned. We have a bunch of elements. But the point is, why you're not moving on in, the, in this sense? And I, I try to, to express in the paper that, we, we, of course, we do have some uh, opportunity to build a new coalition. And as you said, for, that we we'll need to start in the next day, the after day, uh, after the, the meetings, the, the, the top level meetings. So the point is how we, we follow up these, all these uh, uh, preliminary agreements that we'll have uh, next week in, in, in Washington in order, in order to implement what the, the potential of this agenda. And I think the key element is how we, we build a winner coalition in terms of uh, continue to implement these opportunities. That's, that's great. Um, and, and we're going to get, get into some of these questions of uh, what happens on July 1st, right? Mm. Um, Steve, among the many areas of cooperation, Ric Ricardo mentions um, innovation in, in the report. Um, uh, Roberta mentioned it. Benoni's mentioned innovation is really a top bilateral issue. And of course, we at the Atlantic Council agree, and that's why we're so excited to, <laughs> to have, you on, have you on the panel. How would you assess at this point the level of cooperation um, in innovation, um, you know, insofar as kind of the, the, the business ties, the, the university ties, the whole gambit? Uh, Roberta mentioned a couple, a couple examples, but what is the overall state and, and, and also what's, what's possible? Um, yeah. So first and foremost, thanks for allowing me to be the, uh, the private sector view on the panel. It's an honor <laughs> to be here representing, and I'm also the guy with the smallest title, so you can tell I'm from the private sector. So thanks for the opportunity. Um, Look, first, uh, so I'm probably going to be biased because I'm coming at it from an Intel point of view. I'm, I'm representing Intel Corporation. We've, uh, you know, we've had a history working uh, for over 30 years, um, almost 30 years in Brazil. 
And we believe that, uh, frankly, technology transforms uh, societies, transforms lives. So that is our mission statement. That's our vision. That's what we're about. Um, we believe, obviously, with Intel Inside, <laughs> that makes it even more possible and faster. <laughs> in Brazil specifically, uh, no, in Brazil specific, specifically, I think we've got our, if I can use an analogy, I think we have our toe in the water right now. Um, what we've tried to do, again, because technology transforms lives, um, the Brazilian policies uh, up until now have been ones that they've tried to attract investment and tried to spur um, R&D uh, activities in the country that they think that they would think would hey would have ripple effects across the uh, across the country. While that's good, a lot of times they're they're more focused on just trying to pull the private sector in as opposed to having the private sector solve a problem. And back to technology, what technology does and can transform, you know, what what uh, I think anything that comes out of this visit, it needs to have. I think used the word, uh, you know, what are we going to do on July 1st? It needs to be tangible. You know, in the private sector, we do a lot of things where we set up plans, but what are the metrics? What are those next steps of those plans? And I think on uh, information technology, it should be, it should transcend the entire agenda. I think because in every one of the sectors uh, that you guys have all mentioned, technology can transform and make things faster, make things uh, more efficient. And, um, and I think that should, it should be at the forefront of the agenda. So just to follow up on that, Steve, what, what, what would you like to see come out of this visit specifically? I mean, what, what, are some of the, or what are some of the signals that you'll be keeping an eye out for from, from a private sector standpoint? Um, so first and foremost, I hope, I, I, I agree with all the panelists so far who said, hey, you know, uh, it's, it's a sign that the visit is happening. I think it's a good sign um, in terms of at least, hey, stability of the relationship. I think that's very important that, uh, that we see uh, a, a strong message of stability. Um, I think the, um, the other thing around some tangible, uh, tangible cooperation areas with specific metrics and next steps on what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I think that needs to be uh, or at least uh, published on timelines of when those next steps are going to happen. Again, I'm biased, but I think technology should be across every one of those things, allowing broader access. I mean, there should be things around. Um, you know, access to uh, to uh, cheaper broadband. You know, how the, the building out the highways, the digital highways in Brazil. I think that's fundamental for anything that happens. Um, education. While Brazilian education over the last decade has improved, you know, the average the average education of a Brazilian has been in the fifth grade. They're now at, at middle eighth grade, ninth grade, depending on your your metric. While that's improved. Um, I think there's still a big, big opportunity, and I think technology can improve in that. That's great. Thanks. Uh, Assistant Secretary Jacobson, going back to, before we dive a little bit deeper into some of the specifics of the issues, could you elaborate a little bit on some of the, speci what specifically are some of the U.S. goals for the visit? Um, you know, we're, we're going to sign a bunch of agreements, and we'll talk about some of, the, some of the, what those agreements might look like, but what really, you know, in a broader sense, what needs to be accomplished? Um, to move the relationship to the next level? Is, is it signing you know, X amount of new agreements, or is there something more fundamental that needs to be accomplished as part of this, as part of this visit? I think there's a couple of things. I do think that presidential visits in and of themselves are, they, they do two things, frankly. They are both symbolic and important as public demonstrations of a relationship and where it stands, right? And so in this particular relationship, I think a public demonstration of the relationship being healthy again between the two leaders is very important. Um, the relationship can be incredibly busy and dynamic underneath, 
But if there is not an external perception that it's healthy at the top, um, that, that's a problem. And, and unfortunately, it, it hasn't been that way mm -hmm. since, since the postponement of the relationship, despite the fact that I think it has been getting better for months now. Um, I think this visit will kind of solidify that in the public mind, that, that, that this, is, this is a healthy relationship moving forward. Um, but I also think, as bureaucrats know, that presidential meetings are action-forcing events, right? You, you get things done and you move forward on things thereafter to get at the July 1st question because of a visit on June 30th. So the agreement that maybe you wouldn't have gotten done for another six months, you get done by this time. Or um, you know, maybe you engage at a more aggressive pace on coming to some conclusions about how you're going to work together on climate change um, ahead of Paris. Um, I think you know, in, in all of these areas, <laughs> this visit can help us accelerate the pace of our engagement um, so I don't know that it is a quantifiable number of agreements signed. It is a reflection of the breadth of the relationship, certainly, um, and a reflection that kind of we're back. Mm -hmm. It is certainly a review for the public of what has been happening over the last few months as we have accelerated our dialogues, our private sector is kind of back in touch with each other, presenting recommendations to the leaders, et cetera. And I hope I, um, a way of stimulating movement in both of our political lives to move this relationship forward where it may be stuck. Um, you know, we, there was a mention by Peter, I think, of our legislative branches, um, which in our both very lively and robust democracies um, means that each of us has to take account of what we can do with our Congresses. And we each have very engaged Congresses. Um, <laughs> which means that we have to be able to go to our legislative branches and explain why this is good for our country and, and you know, how we're going to be able to, to sell this. <laughs> So presidential visits are incredibly important because they are part of the promotional pitch, if you will, to our own legislatures as to why this is in the interest of our countries to move ahead on things that may be mm -hmm. politically risky. Yeah. Um, so, so when we talk about big ideas or big uh, movements in the relationship, I don't think we should underestimate <coughs> Um, the importance of these visits or the individual agreements or the political statements made as being critical to each leader when they then go to their legislators, their interest groups, their stakeholders, whatever you want to call them, and say, it's time to move forward on something that I realize you may not be 100% comfortable with because I have a commitment to do X. So I, I think it is, you know, what we're looking for out of this visit is um, an affirmation from both sides to move ahead quickly on some very important areas of cooperation. And the other thing is, I think, an affirmation of the two of us working together on global issues. Mm -hmm. We haven't touched on that quite as much. But with so many difficulties around the world, 
we need the capabilities that Brazil brings to the table um, and to be working with them elsewhere. And, and we, yeah, please go. Support this idea that Roberto mentioned, in a sense that I think that you, uh, I fully agree with your idea that, uh, in, in terms of to, to 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 follow up these meetings, uh, of course, this the symbol of this meeting uh, is very important, both in, from the both sides, but mainly from the Brazilian side. I would say the reconnection Dilma with Obama is very important for the domestic sense. But this, uh, I think, uh, uh, brings us to the idea that this coalition that I mentioned should in, uh, include the, the bureaucracies. Key elements in the bureaucracy in the both countries in the political side. Uh, I would say that uh, with this coalition that should involve civil society, uh, business community, some areas of business community, some areas of the bureaucracy from the both sides, and some areas of the the political um, um, uh, uh, establishment in the right. both countries. So I think the challenge for us right now is try to identify. I would say. We, uh, we, all these stakeholders from this uh, uh, discussion, but how do we, we can connect these dots? Because just the, the, the top level meetings will not create the, a new environment. Mm. But trying to put together this kind of business community or uh, bureaucracies that are very much engaged in this positive agenda, I think this is the critical element to, to check if we have a new chapter for a new part of yeah. the book. It's one thing that's always been lacking in the U.S. preserve relationship is having a real coalition among multiple sectors and frankly a lot of other countries that are incredibly important to the United States, there are those type of coalitions. Yeah, I think it's really important to, to stress that, uh, well, uh, this, the visit, when the presidents get together, it's a strong signal. But if you look not at the snapshots of you know, any given moment in our relations, let's look at the movie. And the movie, uh, it tells a different story. It tells a more, very, a more uh, complex narrative. And it shows a relations that is growing in complexity. And as it grows in complexity and volume, it becomes even more important for the high leaders, the, the, the leaders of the countries to get together and to have a, a, a good high level dialogue. Because it's more difficult because now it's not only uh, picking up the long-hanging fruits. Mm -hmm. Now we have to make a, an effort that's much more difficult. Sometimes it has to do with legislation. You have to involve the, the, the legislative branch and civil society in order to move things forward if you want to, to, to make uh, things uh, move forward and, 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 uh, and advance in this relation, when it is already very complex and dense, yeah. as it is yeah. in the case of Brazil and the US. So now it's, now it's more, you have to actually start to maybe climb up the apple tree a little bit to, yeah. to not just get that, that low. Benoni, just a quick question for you. You know, there's, when, when there, the option was presented to President Rousseff about coming to Washington, there was the option of, a, of an official visit, which, which she's doing in, in 10 days, or a state visit further down the road. Why, why, is, why, why, is she, why did President Rousseff, why is she choosing to visit Washington now? Um, and, and what is the, from, a, from the Brazilian government perspective, what are you hoping um, are some of the results that come out, of, come out of this visit? Why she came now? Because she wanted to come uh, as, as fast as possible. And the schedule would not allow for her to have a, a state visit this year. But we, uh, we are seeing this visit as a special visit. It's not just a working visit. It's an official visit with lots of elements that show that it will have pomp and circumstance. Uh, and the importance that the, the, the American government is attaching to this visit 
is well known, and we appreciate that very much. And so we, you will see when she comes that uh, by the, the signals and the gestures that uh, are included in this visit, that it's a very important visit, uh, and it will be a very strong signal. So I won't enter into the details of the, the program itself, uh -huh. but we've, we, what I can tell you is that the Brazilian government and the President Rousseff herself is very much satisfied with uh, the, the visit and the preparations for the visit. That's great. Steve, you wanted to jump no, in. No, I was going to. I was just going to interject. One of the easiest ways of driving action is committing to the next date or the next uh, on the next checkpoint, right? And if I, you know, if 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 uh, presidential visits are used, how we use our executive office visits to our countries, they are checkpoints, and they're points where you got to report out on what you just did. So the amount of time that went from the last time that was the conversations officially happened at the top to now. We can't let that happen again, and that would be an amazing outcome from a mm -hmm. private sector point of view to put the right level of urgency on uh, all parties and all of the mm -hmm. folks involved, like you said, to, to get things done. Roberta, we, we, um, let's drill down a little bit more on the substance of, 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 what, might come out of, the, of what might come out of the visit. And uh, of course, what, what, can be, what, what can be said is, as, as a preview. Uh, you, you mentioned a couple issues. Um, we, we've talked about science, technology, health, education. Um, but then you've also mentioned defense cooperation, uh, climate change, um, and collaboration on regional issues and, and global issues, uh, food security among the global issues and, and Haiti among the regional issues. Can you go a little bit further in, into depth of, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about climate change being, being a, a marquee agreement that might, might come out of this. At this point, what, what can you say about what that, what that agreement could potentially look like? Is that going to be the kind of the, the, the bedrock um, kind of uh, foundation um, that's going to come out of this, that's going to come out of this agreement or out of this visit? And then also, if you could talk a little bit more about kind of beyond just U.S.-Brazil, what are some of the areas of cooperation uh, from the U.S. perspective that we're, we're looking at Brazil um, to better partner with us on regional global issues? It's a fair question, uh, Jason, but uh, I'm afraid I may disappoint you in the answer. Um, I think like Benoni, I, um, I tend to like to leave some of this to my president to announce on the 30th. Um, presidents, a smart, get a, a smart move. presidents get a little testy yeah. when, we, we, when we preview their issues, um, which is not to say that we aren't talking about the areas of, of, of interest that we're going to be discussing. And I would not say, although I do think that this administration places, the Obama administration places a very great importance on, on moving towards the climate uh, conference in, uh, in Paris in the, in the fall um, and trying to work with Brazil on that. Um, I, it's, it's really hard to say that that's somehow the centerpiece of this because there is so much, there's a great deal of diversity in what we're going to be talking about in this visit. So, I'm loath to say there's a particular piece that's the, the thing, right, that we want to, that's the barometer of whether we succeed or fail. I really think that's not, that's just not, not the way we measure this visit. In some respects, it's, it's more a question of, you know, we've got 10 or 15 things, all of them very important, and in a way, it is, it is the breadth of it that is the measure of how important. I also think that, as Benoni said, the fact that there is a, a part of this visit that will talk about the economic and trade relationship, which in some respects has been a difficult part of the relationship over the years, 
is, is a very important part of this visit, that there is you know, a, a, an ability to talk about that, to, to you know, work together on trade facilitation agreement, um, you know, those things that, that maybe wasn't always the case. So, so picking one and saying mm -hmm. it's kind of the bedrock is really, I think, not quite possible. Um, I do think on the sort of the regional and global issues, there's a number of things that, that are clearly going to be under discussion. There's no doubt that every meeting we've had, either regionally or with individual countries that are particularly important, such as Brazil lately, um, have, have touched on the issues in Venezuela. Um, I just don't think any of us can escape that these days. Um, it, I think that, um, you know, I think that's also true on Haiti as we approach the elections. And it's got to be true given each of our country's critical roles in Haiti. Um, I think that the leaders will discuss Haiti and how they see things going forward. Um, again, I think our ability to partner with Brazil in other places uh, as the president looks forward to the peacekeeping summit that, that he will hold in the fall at the UN General Assembly and Brazil's obviously um, critical role as leader of the mission in Haiti uh, is another area that will be discussed. One of the one of the things we mentioned, and Ricardo mentioned in the paper, is is eliminating trade barriers, and specifically talking about the service sector as well, um, to get moving beyond goods, and and really, um, you know, one of the areas that, that we see is really kind of ripe for growth, not only in Brazil domestically and also U.S. Brazil is, is is service sector. Is that is that you know I, I know I know we can't preview too much of the visit, but do you see some uh, potential for movement on, on facilitating a better trade and services? You know, I think that um, we, the U.S., have been in a position of being ready to talk about greater um, engagement on, on trade issues for, for a <laughs> while now. Um, so I think that, you know, it's, it's certainly something of interest to us, but, but it's a question of, taking that issue at the pace of our Brazilian colleagues. So mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure that I can get into it much further than that. But Benoni. I would like just to add uh, something about um, the result of the visit or how the visit impacts you know, the bureaucracy and, and uh, looking ahead. Uh, you know that uh, we, President Rousseff has just sent to the Congress, to the Brazilian Congress, uh, two important agreements in the defense area. One of them, it's a defense uh, uh, cooperation agreement, a kind of framework agreement. It appears not to be that crucial from, you know, if you just, uh, if you're not uh, someone who is studying the matter and the history of the, the relationship, but this uh, agreement is very important. Uh, the last time we had such kind of agreement was uh, <coughs> up to 1977. It was an agreement signed in the 50s during the Cold War. And in 77, uh, we denounced this agreement. Uh, it was a Brazilian dictatorship at the time. And we, uh, since then, we, not, we have not had this, any agreement in the defense area. Now we have an agreement that has just been sent to the Congress because of this visit. Uh, and because we, we think that is very important, and it was a strong signal from the Brazilian uh, side that we want to improve our relations in, in defense and cooperation in this area and uh, moving forward also uh, create new partnerships for our um, uh, defense industries.
And in the, with regard to the global issue of, of climate change, it is also a priority for the Brazilian government, for President Rousseff. And this is something that we can work together to move the, the global agenda forward. Uh, and this is because Brazil and the US have done a lot in this area. It's not that we just announced uh, you know, targets and we didn't do anything, because it's really easy to announce targets. The difficult part is to comply mm -hmm. with this. Right. And we over-complied, both the US and Brazil. So we are in a position to lead this movement. Of course, we have to respect the differences of views, but there is a lot of agreement on that. And I'm really uh, confident that uh, Brazil and, and the U.S. we work together to a good outcome uh, in Paris. Benoit, there's been some signals from the Brazilian government about R Roberta uh, about trade um, facilitation, right? And and that we're kind of looking at, you know, what are, what are the signals from from our, our our Brazilian friends on this? And there's been some signals recently about maybe some type of of um, kind of new thinking uh, coming from Brazilia on, on, on trade issues. Do you, where do, where do, you, do, you, do you see a, a potential for, for moving forward on, on some of these, on kind of eliminating some of the, the trade barriers between the two countries? Uh, our Minister of Development came to the US, was his first visit to, to a foreign country uh, in February this year. And uh, it is really a priority for us. The United States is our uh, second trade partner and our first, uh, the first destination of our uh, manufactured goods. So it's really important for us. Uh, but I think that there is an emphasis now uh, on trying to eliminate non-barrier tariffs, non-tariff uh, non barriers to, to the trade. Uh, with trade, trade facilitation, there are some studies in Brazil that show that we, if we move fast uh, in this area, we can increase uh, in the short run the, the trade by 10% or, or even uh, more than that. So it is something that will have a positive consequence in the short run. If you engage in a very a more comprehensive kind of negotiations, you know that that's for long term. You know, so uh, I think that we have to. Create momentum in these uh, relations, and and the trade facilitation area is a new area, and also with that, uh, apart from the trade facilitation, uh, the regulatory convergence is another area that we are working on uh, to try to move uh, things uh, forward, and both areas can um, have a positive impact in short run. Yeah. So that's the main uh, emphasis right now. Steve, you're you're all, you're all about metrics here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of have to be. You have to be. You have to be. Um, I want to ask you from a, from a, from your from a, uh, your private sector uh, perspective. You know, business to business engagement, I think, is, is is so critical for the bilateral relations. Very different from the U.S. relationship with a lot of countries, right? That oftentimes, can, the relationship is very much at a at a government to government level. But this, I think, in many ways, the, uh, the, the 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 fruits of collaboration between the two countries is uh, happens with the with the private sector. You know, Brazilian companies provide um, tens of thousands of, of U.S. jobs and vice versa. Talk a little bit, what, what, what do you see as some of the obstacles uh, from a, uh, a U.S. company standpoint that are currently in place for U.S.-based Brazilians looking to uh, expand into the Brazilian market, both as a result of U.S. policy and as a result of, of, of Brazilian policy? 
and, and what sort of policy changes would, would need to happen um, to uh, <coughs> make companies like Intel, other multinational corporations, and, and small and medium-sized businesses um, see greater opportunity ent entering that market? Okay, yeah, so good, good question. I think for, first and foremost, 200 million people, uh, rising middle class, 100 plus million people already in the workforce, which generates more, more activity, uh, rising education levels. The stage is set for Brazil and the Brazilian uh, population, the economy for, for businesses to do more in the country. So I want to start with that and say also, you know, we've got almost 30 years uh, working in, in, the, in the country. Um, that said, <laughs> there are opportunities to go faster. I think every uh, multinationals, when they look at Brazil vis-a-vis uh, -vis other markets, they recognize the size, but they recognize also on the flip side some of the complexities. Um, be that complexities on and take a World Bank, uh, the World Bank puts out uh, an index which measures ease of, ease of doing business. And when you look at that metric, uh, Brazil's upwards of the 66th percentile whereas uh, some of the other Latin American economies are more in the top third percentile. So and that, that metric looks at things like how quick can you open a business, how easy is it, to, is it to get in and hire people, et cetera, working in the country. So I think there's some things, very basic things that we could do um, you know, to, uh, to, to enable you know, velocity on that front. And I think velocity, again, technology can enable some of that velocity um, through, through that. Um, some of the localization requirements in Brazil, I think there, is, um, there are opportunities for the government to, uh, for the policymakers to look at things like, you know, measures and metrics of adoption of ICT are really the way to look at it as opposed to perhaps just saying, hey, let's, let's how the ICT is produced in countries. I think that would enable uh, a more thriving ecosystem that would generate these hundred millions of workers using technology that would, that would then self-sustain. And there, there is a, a huge amount of, of U.S. investment in, in Brazil, but there's also, I mean, we were, we were reminded a few, be few weeks ago by the, uh, the Chinese uh, uh, mm -hmm. premier, premier's visit, uh, $53 billion in, 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 in agreement signed. We don't actually know if that's actually going to come to fruition, <laughs> right. but at least they were signed. Um, but still, there, and, 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 you know, there's still, you know, a, many more companies, many more U.S. companies and Chinese companies investing in Brazil. China also overtook the U.S. as Brazil's largest trading partner a few years ago. What, what could be, you know, if, if, imagine if more of, this, if more of this business was going to U.S. companies than, than, than Chinese companies. What, what could be done on this front to really, uh, from a business perspective, kind of uh, allow U.S. businesses to really be able to kind of to, to, to thrive in the in the in the Brazilian market um, at a time when there's um, you know increasing interest from from um, uh, from other other strong countries. That's direct. That's to for me. you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So look, uh, I I don't think it's an or. It's a, not a China or U.S. with Brazil. It's a China and U.S. And I think that's why I think we're sitting here today, right? And ho hopeful, or all of us have one thing we do share. I think is hope for what will come out of this. So I think. I think now's the time for uh, the U.S. to look. Uh, the, the U.S. and Brazil need each other, right? The U.S., the U.S., uh, those 200 million, uh, those 200 million consumers, great opportunity. I think there's lots of things that uh, Brazil can get and gain if they if they uh, provide easier access and, and and vice versa. So I hope it's an and conversation um, more than just uh, oh, what is China doing. I'd love to see similar agreements with metrics and actions below those that we can all go and make use of. Roberta, you're nodding your head yes as well. No, I agree. I think 
I think far too often the question is, you know, what are you doing about the Chinese incursion into Latin America? This has to be an and conversation um, as long as everybody plays by the rules. Yep. I think there is a critical point when the U.S. about China and, and U.S. I think th uh, there are two completely different negotiations between the U.S., uh, uh, Brazil, and Brazil and China. Uh, if you take the, the level of discussion and the level of interaction between the U.S. and Brazil, uh, we are a thousand years ahead in a sense that we are dealing with China uh, in, in a different uh, uh, perspective. We are trying to attract very basic uh, investments for infrastructure. So uh, it's completely different scenario. I think the challenge for Brazil in the U.S. right now is try, try to move the negotiation for a more um, sophisticated level. That means regulatory issues are the key element right now. I think t uh, tariffs uh, are not anymore a, a sensitive barrier. Uh, we are talking about how we can uh, make a convergence between the, the, the way uh, U.S. develop technology and the Brazilian companies develop technology, how we approach biotech issues, how we, we define the framework for the internet governance. Mm -hmm. So uh, there, this kind of more sophisticated issue has nothing to do with the China-Brazil relations. Yeah. So yeah. That, that in this sense, we have an opportunity right, uh, uh, again in a sense that we have an avenue for, for dealing or in converge, converge uh, with the U.S. in this sense. And we, do not, we, we just don't have this opportunity with China. Ch yeah. China is a completely different way. Of course, we, we cannot avoid to have a, a more close relation with China. But uh, it, I would say so it is not as strategic as with the U.S. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like to, to add uh, a few ideas, uh, I agree that completely that it's not either China or the U.S. Uh, we see uh, in Brazil international affairs more as a, as a not as a zero-sum zero game. Uh, we are better at addition and multiplication than at uh, subtraction and division. <laughs> so we see this as a that complements our foreign relations uh, and helps us to, to uh, explore new opportunities for uh, development. With regard to to the investments. I think that in, uh, in this area of, of technology, several uh, companies, American companies, are investing in uh, research and development in Brazil. Apart from Intel, we have new investments uh, in P&D and R&D uh, by several companies that are here today, mm -hmm. uh, Microsoft, uh, DuPont, uh, and GE, and, uh, GE uh, and several others. Uh, that are investing in Brazil uh, in this area. And, and we need to have our uh, human resources training, trained uh, to meet this new demand mm -hmm. of engineers, of mathematicians, of, you know, uh, that uh, in, in, in this regard, this is why uh, the cooperation with the United States is so important. You have uh, several universities here that are receiving Brazilian students. Over 20,000 of them have already come to the U.S. Mm -hmm and are going back with this new baggage. Not only the knowledge itself, but also they are learning the system, how yeah. it works, how to make things happen. And they will be uh, ambassadors of the United States in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And something that uh, people sometimes do not realize. Yeah. And that was an entire an idea of President Rousseff. Yeah. She had this vision, and she is implementing that. And is there something more <laughs> pro-American than that? 
I, I don't think so. Think because you are bringing back several Brazilians that be, will become uh, the advocates of a stronger Brazil-US relationship. Yeah. That's really important. And I think Benoni is also important. We, we've been talking about the kind of business to business engagement more from US companies investing in Brazil. But I think it's also incredibly important to point out the number of Brazilian right. companies that are investing in the United States as well. I mean, the yeah. numbers are um, yes. often is not, not too well known. Yes, uh, there is a new study that will be launched uh, next week in the preparation for uh, the visit. It is sponsored by the Brazilian Trade Investment Promotion Agency, Apex Brazil, and by the Brazil Industries Coalition. Uh, I believe the members of the, B the BIC are here. Mm. Uh, and it is amazing the findings that they have in this, in this uh, new report. Uh, among other findings, I won't tell everything because they, it's still confidential, <laughs> but I can tell just one We're doing finding. a lot of previewing as part of this uh, panel today. Brazil, uh, between 2001 and 2012, Brazil was the emerging country whose uh, FGI flows to the U.S. increased the most, which is impressive if you, if you yeah. look at the emerging, who are the emerging countries, right? right? Of course. And, and nowadays, uh, I don't know, Jason, if you like to travel, but if you are- I, if I you, like to travel. Yeah. yeah. If you, I'm, in, I'm actually in Rio right now. So, right. <laughs> so if you like to travel, uh, there's a good chance that you will uh, probably fly on a Brazilian air aircraft. Mm -hmm. And if you get hungry, you can order a Brazilian hamburger <laughs> with Brazilian ketchup on it and drink a Brazilian beer or a Brazilian orange juice in a cup made with plastic manufactured in the US by a Brazilian petrochemical company. Oh. Oh. And after that, you're gonna pay with your money in an account mm -hmm. in a Brazilian bank in the US. Oh. So that gives you an idea that something that it would not be possible 20 years ago. And now it is. I think I have my so. lunch plans now all set. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's, it's, it's imp I mean, I think there's, there's oftentimes there's that lack of recognition of how, how important Brazilian multinationals are in the U.S. and how many jobs Brazilian multinationals provide. Exactly. The the, there will be findings. I won't tell the numbers now, the figures, because otherwise it will spoil the, the event less, so, of less next week. Yeah. Um, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna use the last um, 20 minutes to take, uh, I have plenty more questions. I'm sure you don't want to hear more of my questions. Um, so we'll, we'll take the remainder to ask questions. Um, uh, for questions from the audience. And again, if you're watching via webcast, you can tweet your question to at uh, ACLANAM. Uh, so if you have a question, raise your hand. There'll be microphones floating around. I see first question over there. If you could just um, identify your, your, yourself, uh, name and, and organization, and keep your Hi, question good morning. Um, Father Barbosa, <coughs> correspondent of Brazilian newspaper Globo. Um, if uh, we were having this conversation five or 10 years ago, there's and, and, and a visit and a meeting between the two presidents uh, would be about to happen, we would certainly be discussing uh, support for Brazil in the Security Council of the United Nations. I have this curiosity, why isn't this an issue anymore? What has changed uh, from the Brazilian and the American perspective? Thank you. Great, thank you. I'm gonna look down my panel to see um, I can Ricardo, try. you want to go? Okay. Because I'm trying to, to take the, 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 the answer of uh, Benoni in a sense that there is there's two very important movements in this meeting between the two presidents. That's the defense and some elements of the global issues like environment. Why this is so important? Because from a strategic sense, we can uh, under, uh, understand this kind of 
agreements, preliminary agreements, as a, a way that these two countries are going in a direction that we will finally find a common ground, political ground between the two countries. I think this more broad political uh, agreement between the US and Brazil is still is the element that lacks to define a more concrete agenda. If we compare the Brazil-US relation with India-US relation and others, uh, the difference is basically because the, these other countries do have a, a broad platform, political platform uh, between them, and Brazil and US don't have. And uh, when Benoni mentioned that this kind of elements, that is more strategic in defense and or global order issues, uh, now is start to have a, a signs that we can have something in common, a common ground, I would say a broad uh, political platform. So 10 years ago, as you said, I think the idea was a little bit different from that. Now I think we have a, 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 a different time for uh, discuss this kind of issue. And you're right, it's not a concrete element that will allow Brazil to be a part of the, the Security Council, but there, there are two or three uh, issues, I, I would say defense issue between Brazil and the US used to be a very complicated element. Now we, are, we have a, a start to have a convergence. This is very important in terms of strategic uh, 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 political approach. Great. Other, other questions? Um, I see the <coughs> hand over here. Uh, yeah, Aaron Stanley with Financial Times. I uh, just want to preface by saying I'm a Brazil homerist 100%, but why should we be skeptical about this visit, in your opinion? What's, I mean, we've talked a lot about what's, what's the, you know, what are the things we can take away, what are the things we should be looking forward to, but what reasons are there to be skeptical and, and think that maybe this, this visit might be a bit more talk than substance? Okay. Thanks, Aaron. I'm sorry, but you're not going to get that answer from me. I'm, I'm, I think I might, I'm, I might have I'm to I'm an inveterate optimist. That's how you stay in government for 30 years. <laughs> I, I have a, an answer for you. There's no reason to be skeptical about There you go, Bernoni. There you go, Bernoni. Look, if, if, uh, it, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest thing would be it would be a missed opportunity, right? If, if nothing tangible comes out of it, that would be the skepticism. Nothing tangible. You could argue uh, businesses or uh, groups that want action out of this get, um, get frustrated out of it because there is an action. But again, given where we've come from to where it is, you know, I think it's, I think it's upside. Yeah, that seems, it seems very unlikely given the breadth of the conversation yeah. we've had today on everything from education to science, technology, to defense cooperation, to climate change, to global <clears throat> regional issues, and 10 other issues. Um, but thanks, Aaron, for that dose of skepticism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw another question. Yes, first row over here. And then why don't we take these together? First row, and then we'll go to the last row back there. Alex Sanchez from the Council on Hemispheric Affairs. When you talk about defense and security cooperation, uh, a couple of years ago, Brazil sold two kind of warplanes uh, to the US. I think they were sent to Afghanistan. Only a couple of months ago, a US company, Centec from Brazil, signed a deal with the Brazilian Navy to try to fix the Sao Paulo carrier that has been broken for the past four years, give or take. I was wondering if you can talk more about any possible deals that we may see when President Rousseff comes to Washington. Thank you. OK, so defense deals. And the question in the back row, please. 
Hi, Teresa Welsh, US News and World Report. This question is for Secretary Jacobson. I was wondering if you could expand a little bit on the brief comments you made and speak a little bit about how Brazil and the United States can uh, collaborate with regards to the situation in Venezuela and the growing political and economic crisis there. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Teresa. Roberta, we want to start off on the well on the on the first issue on on the defense issues. I think I'm not necessarily the right person to answer in terms of any specifics. I do think that um, there will be a bilateral meeting between uh, defense secretaries ahead of the the presidential meeting, and that's where you may see um, you know more uh, specifics come out of this. But there is clearly an interest in moving forward on defense cooperation and having. Um, you know, more conversations about uh, cooperation um, between the, the two uh, governmental sides and, and on defense industry issues. Obviously, there's a fair amount already, um, but, but I think my, my brethren at the Department of Defense are probably better qualified to, to give a broader answer than that. I don't know if Benoni has anything more. I wouldn't like to, to mention the defense itself, but uh, something that is related to that, uh, the air and space industries. You know that there are two companies, a Brazilian company and an American company, that partnered to create a research center uh, in uh, São José dos Campos, Sao Paulo, to test biofuel for aviation. Uh, this is something very interesting. It will uh, help us to uh, reduce the emissions uh, in the future, and this center is going very well, and there are already some products in the market that they, they are being tested, and, and it seems that they qualify for uh, commercial use. So uh, maybe in the future you will have uh, Brazil and the U.S., the private sector, uh, partnering to sell this kind of products, which is a lot of added value in terms of, of research and development and science uh, and innovation. And this uh, will also be a, a very competitive advantage in the future since we have all, all countries in the world have to reduce the emissions. And Teresa's question on, on, on Venezuela. Let me, let me say on, on that question, I think that we believe that and, and have for a long time that Brazil is a crucial actor on Venezuela. Um, its influence is critical. Um, not only bilaterally with Venezuela because of their relationship, but obviously within UNASUR, which has played an important role vis-a-vis um, -vis Venezuela. And at, certainly at one time, uh, three foreign ministers uh, from Brazil, uh, Ecuador, and Colombia were playing a pretty crucial role. We hope that can, can reemerge as, as important in terms of you know, getting a date set for elections, uh, freeing political prisoners, uh, especially those who are on a hunger strikes right now, uh, as days go by, this is particularly important. So I think you know, the, the, the leaders are certainly going to speak about the importance of moving ahead, uh, as both of them have individually on, on you know, the elections issue, uh, moving ahead on, on many of the concerns that they have in Venezuela. Thank you. Other uh, questions? Uh, yeah, the second second row, and then uh, Peter has a question as well. Uh, I'm Mark Jorgensen with the Brazil U.S. Business Council. Um, how might this visit help Dilma politically, um, domestically? How might this help her? Thanks, Mark. 
and I'm sure Peter has a softball here in the, in the, in the first row. Uh, Adam. Thanks. I just wanted to ask if we could also address where we are on some of the reforms, particularly the economic reforms that are happening in Brazil. And of course, the bilateral relationship is critical, but it, things can't happen unless some of the changes that the president is proposing and the finance minister is proposing are actually going to occur. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Great. Thanks. Um, Ricardo, would you like to start on, on the and the reforms? Okay, um, I think from the political uh, side, it is very important for Dilma. Dilma right now, it's, uh, I think it comes back to the Financial Times question. Uh, Dilma right now is facing a, a very complicated uh, domestic political uh, contest. Uh, basically, she are, uh, the, the, the political coalition that she was, was leading, <coughs> she and Lula was leading, are, are, are completely breaking down and uh, she are facing a, a risk of a political isolation. And uh, part of this uh, situation has to do with the uh, emergence of uh, an opposition groups from the more uh, right uh, side of the political spectrum. And when, when Dilma, in this contest, uh, has this meeting with uh, US, uh, she tried to recover part of the, the issues that used to be associated for a more liberal or uh, right-wing uh, uh, groups. So I think for her, it's very important the timing of this uh, uh, meeting in a sense that she tried to indicate for the society that, look, I'm not just a nationalist or whatever uh, leader, uh, but also have this kind of global uh, engagement uh, relation with US. So for her, I think it's very important. Uh, uh, it's a, um, an opportunity for her to have an access to the, the, the media that used to right now is very uh, uh, in opposition to her, uh, to have a, a good agenda with the Brazilian media also. So I think for her it's very important from the political side. And Steve, would you like to address Mark's question, Mark's business question? On, sorry. I'm kind of a broader kind of business uh, engagement. Mark, do you want to? Um, reform. No, it was, just, it was on rec economic reform, right? And how it would yeah. help <laughs> Yeah, again, I, 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 think, I think the economic reform, uh, so the status, I'll let, I'll let uh, my colleagues comment on the status of the economic reform. But I think, again, we need to see, uh, businesses need to see ease of doing business in the country. Some of the ease of doing business has to do with, um, with reform and tax structures that need to happen. And if they, as they happen, I think you'll see more confidence in the private sector to, do, to continue um, investment that four or five years ago was uh, was pretty obvious and evident. Um, a lot of a lot of folks are looking for that stability. Are there other questions? If not, as, uh, yes, sir. Third row, and then I'll have a quick question. Then we'll have some closing remarks. Uh, Jean Sanchez from Albright Stonebridge. The President Dilma sent two bills to the Congress yesterday about terrorism in an urgent regimen. Does means that we can see some movement in global entry for the visit, and also we can see some increase in tourism flow, particularly from U.S. to Brazil. Thanks, thanks, Raul. I, I guess what I would say on that is I anticipate that there will be a positive conversation on global entry as part of this visit. I, I can't, I don't, I don't know whether that will be 
you know, uh, an announcement of actual sort of implementation or anything. It, it you know, it's getting kind of close, but but obviously we are pleased by movement of of the bills, and and we're going to continue to discuss with Brazil, you know, how to to move forward on that issue. Just just to just to add, I mean, some of the low hanging fruit from again from a private sector perspective to enable business to happen, complexity of getting visitors into the country even right and vice versa right. I have a real time example. Our chief marketing officer is uh, supposed to be in. He's actually will land in Brazil on Monday, and uh, his some of his. Uh, entourage that would have come with them couldn't get visas processed in time right. or vice versa. We have folks trying to come to the United States to do exchange programs, things of that nature that, uh, that complexity on our side, uh, and I'm saying our side because I have a U.S. passport, <laughs> is equally uh, not, uh, not easy to do. So the, I, I, again, I view that as low-hanging fruit to let the, the private sector. Uh, and I think the global entry question is also, it's also a matter of what else is this visit set up that can happen in the future, too? I mean, Roberta, you had the, the, the comment before about that the visit is an opportunity to kind of push things forward that might not have happened for six months and to really give it that presidential direction to, to make, that, make that happen. Um, just a, a quick final question. I'm going to take the, my perspective from the, from the Meyer perspective. Ricardo, what, do, what, do you, what must happen in Washington for the trip to be a win for Dilma? What should happen? For, for the trip to be a win for Dilma, for Dilma to come back to Brazil and say, this trip was successful. Well, I think uh, from the Washington perspective, and I probably the, the uh, private sector, uh, American private sector perspective, I think a clear indication that, that there is room for uh, uh, improvement in terms of the economic gains for Brazilian economy would be the key element. Because if she had this, uh, in in, his, in her hands when she comes back to Brazil. This, I think, is the the the, the assets that she needs to uh, forward to, to go forward in a sense to to build this kind of the, the kind of uh, political coalition that she needs in order to implement. I think to to create the idea that there is a concrete economic gains for Brazil in this approach with U.S. And Roberta, on the U.S. side with President Obama entering his, uh, he likes to call it, his, the, his fourth quarter, what, 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 does this have to, what does this business have to look like for it to be a win from the U.S. perspective? Or is it already a win? I, you know, I don't, I think we don't set the bar too low, but I think that the fact that they, we are back to having regular conversations, that there is a lot going on below, that all of the fora that we set up at both ministerial level and below are now working again after pauses. Um, and the movement ahead, especially on some of the tougher issues, whether it's internet governance or defense or climate, will have advances. All of that, to me, bespeak a victory out of this visit. Well, I think that's a, a perfect way to, to conclude the panel. And before uh, Debrie comes up to give our, our closing remarks, please just join me in a round of applause for this excellent fourth And I want to, I have the, a great pleasure to introduce now Debbie Bo, Boner Vorwick, who is the representative from the US Brazil Business Council, our partner in this event, and our partner in, in multiple events that we've done, we've done on Brazil, and just uh, uh, a great uh, uh, working relationship. And Debbie is 
Peter mentioned at the beginning, is also Vice President at Cardinal. So yes, thanks, Thank you David. very much. And um, as you can tell from my, my appearance, you get two for the price of one today. So um, uh, I'm here representing both the Brazil U.S. Business Council and the, the U.S. private sector that does business um, in and with Brazil, and also Cargill, who has um, had the honor previously of serving as, as chair of the Brazil-U.S. Business Council for, for three years. And uh, what we like to say as, as Cargill is that we're approaching our 50 slash 150. Uh, it's our birthday, we're 150 years old this year, and 50 years in Brazil. And so it's quite an honor for us to be here. And for the panelists and, and the guests alike, I like to see a lot of familiar faces out there. Um, that was an outstanding discussion, I believe, that, that gave us all a glimpse into the future of the bilateral relationship um, and President Husserl's visit to Washington. But not only as we heard about the bilateral relationship, but also um, the focus on the global relationship, on global partnership on issues, and also regional, the regional uh, partnership, which is quite important. But um, we're pleased that you've saved some for the presidents, and we look forward to, um, to her visit. A special thank you to Assistant Secretary Roberta Jacobson. We know you've got a lot on your plate right now, um, and we're proud to have you uh, leading the, the dialogue, and we're definitely looking forward to your, to your next steps. Um, to our Deputy Chief of Mission, uh, Bononi Belli, um, thank you for being here with us today. And um, Peter, I wanted to say thanks for uh, bringing, bringing all of these important issues to the front burner. Um, the, thank you very much to the Atlantic Council and the Brazil Council. Uh, we're grateful for your, you being gracious hosts for us. And I also want to congratulate the Arsh Center on the launch of the latest influential report that's coming out prior to the visit. Um, that will advance cooperation between our two, two countries. And Ricardo, a special congratulations to you for your thought leadership um, in, 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 in advance of the, the visit. So this information analysis, we believe, will provide a great base for some future cooperation between our two countries and for the larger, um, the larger benefit of the, the trade discussion taking place between the two countries. Brazil and, and U.S. are at a pivotal moment, and the private sector plays a crucial role, we know, in helping to define a clear agenda with concrete steps. And we've remained engaged as the private sector in conjunction with our counterparts in Brazil over the, the last few years as the relationship has has taken different twists and turns, and we're certainly hopeful for the outcomes on the commercial side of this visit. And after hearing from our distinguished guests today, it's clear that the relationship is moving forward. And our agenda is appropriately ambitious, yet still achievable and worth pursuing. So on behalf of the Brazil U.S. Business Council and the U.S. private sector, I want to reiterate our commitment to strengthening the Brazil-U.S. relationship and to contributing to a positive agenda for President Husserl's visit, an agenda that benefits both countries and its citizens. So it's a pleasure to be here with you this morning, and thank you again for our hosts, and have a wonderful and restful, not only day, but weekend. You've deserved it. Thank, thank you. you. And I, and I want to just thank, thank you very much, Debrie. And before, before everyone leaves, I just want to again thank Adrian Arch for, for being with us today. Thank you, Adrian, for all your vision. And I also want to thank our fantastic team led, led by Natalie Alhonte there and the uh, black sweater who spearheads our 
spearheads our Brazil work, and this event would not be possible without Natalie's vision and dedication and that of the, the entire uh, fantastic uh, Adrian Arch Latin America Center team. And if you haven't received your copy yet of the report, it's out there. It's also going to be interactive online and will be launched the, uh, on, uh, online next hour or so. So thank you again, and thank you to our panelists.